there's something we're working on, but I can only give you um, a drop hint because it's a really big deal. It's going <laughs> to, we're building a, we're going to start building one tiny house model and it's going to be, we hope, a game changer. That's all we can say. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 65 with Stephen Harrell. Stephen Harrell runs the website tinyhouselistings.com, where an average of 10 tiny houses on wheels are bought and sold every day. This gives Stephen a very unique view into the tiny house market. And so while I have him on the show, I'll ask him about how the website works, what trends he sees in the tiny house market for both used and new tiny houses, and tips for how to get a great deal on a tiny house if you're a buyer, and tips on how to sell your tiny house quickly if you're a seller. It's a really informative interview, and I hope you stick around. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today. Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is my signature resource that helps you go from dream to plan to even building your tiny house. I'll tell you more about it after the show, but all you should know right now is that I'm offering 20% off for podcast listeners. Just head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY. All right, I am here with Stephen Harrell. Stephen has been involved with the tiny house movement for nearly a decade and is the founder of Tiny House Listings, the world's most visited tiny house resource. Stephen Harrell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ethan, for having me. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, great to have you. So, I was curious if you could just tell us the story of how you got involved in the tiny house movement and, and what, what led you to, to creating tiny house listing. Yeah. So I'll try to, I'll try to keep it short, but, uh, um, back in 2008, I owned a business in Denver, Colorado. It was a design business and it was doing well. And, um, I eventually I hit a point where I just was kind of sick of it. So I walked away from everything, uh, including the beautiful home that I had and just the business itself. And I moved back here to North Carolina. Uh, and the, the fallout from that was that I had a foreclosure. And, uh, so I got here and I started thinking of ways like, man, like I'm stuck. I can't buy a house. I have bad credit. Like, how can I buy a house? And so I came across Kent Griswold's tiny house blog and, uh, I instantly got hooked. Like that was 2008 and tiny houses were, weren't really a household thing yet. And, uh, so I would just sit there and hit refresh every day, just waiting for him to post a new tiny house. <laughs> And in the interim, I just kind of like, I'm like, how can I get involved? How can I do this? And I came across the concept of a marketplace for tiny houses. And it was, I guess you could say it was a little bit forward thinking because there really, was really only a handful of tiny house businesses at the time, Tumbleweed and maybe a few more. And, um, but I guess, you know, that old saying, like, will you lay the railroad track before the train came? And I was lucky. I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing. But later on, I realized that was what was happening. And, uh, and, the, and since then, I uh, had the opportunity to, help a lot of people move into tiny houses and help a lot of tiny house building businesses grow and start to get them uh, launched as well. So yeah, that's the, that's the story how it all came, came to be. Nice. So you're, you're getting on close to 10 years? Yeah, it's been about 10 years. We launched in uh, 2010 
And uh, so I guess it's, it's nine years, but I've been around, you know, I've been marinating on that for about uh, a decade. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm, I definitely want to talk about how you've seen the tiny house movement change over those years. Um, but I thought first we could just talk a little bit about, you know, how, how does tiny house listings work? Uh, yeah. So the, well, we've, we've evolved over the years, but um, essentially business owners and people that have tiny houses can post their tiny house for sale or for rent to the site. And uh, I guess I like to say the elevator pitches were the Zillow of tiny houses in that, or I guess you could say we're the middleman, we're the middle person in that uh, we provide the service that connects buyers and renters and sellers. Nice. So whether I'm selling a tiny house or buying a tiny house, I can go to your site and either list it or find it. That's right. Yeah. And then we, you know, over the years, we've been fortunate enough to build up some pretty big social media following. So when someone has a tiny house, we can get the word out there in more ways than just the website. We can let a lot of people know on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and places like that. So uh, especially if it's beautiful, that really helps a lot of because, <laughs> like you, you know, if there's some some you know DIY tiny houses out there that aren't so great, so we tend not to share those on Instagram. But the good thing about those are a lot of times they tend to have a lower price tag, which a lot of people are looking for as well. So yeah, the internet the internet loves pretty tiny houses, right? Well, I don't see yeah you don't see too many shoddy uh, do it yourself you know like on Pinterest or whatnot it tends to be the the most beautiful ones. So. <laughs> Definitely. So does does the service cost money? It used to be completely free. And what we found out was a lot of people were were making a ton of money, a lot of businesses through our services, and we weren't making any. We were just eating TV dinners and, things. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like things like that. So I was spinning my wheels for nothing. So now the way it works is when you post a tiny house or, or whatever it happens to be, a bus, small cottage, if you post post a listing on our site, uh, each time a qualified person sends you a message, you just pay a very small fee. And the goal is to try to get it sold as quickly as you can. And um, so we just call that a lead. And so every time a lead comes into the site, pay a small fee. And you can deactivate the listing anytime you want, things like that. So, yeah, it, it's free until you start getting uh, interested people. So hopefully you can close that out pretty quickly, make a sale. We sell, uh, on average, about 10 tiny houses a day through the site. So it does, it does pretty well. Wow, 10 a day. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's 10 that are like confirmed sold or 10 people just deactivate their listing? No, it's, it's more people deactivating because what happens a lot of times is people, they'll think they have a buyer and they'll deactivate it. And then it's like the people at the last minute are like, oh, for whatever reason, I can't buy the house. So yeah, it's 10 confirmed tiny houses sold per day. Wow. Yep. And so it sounds... What what's great about what you're describing is that it sounds like it's completely free still for the buyers. That's right. It's absolutely free for the buyers. That's right. Um, well, the, recently we launched a con, well, I guess you could, we call it advising, where you can schedule us for one hour and we'll help walk you through and create a roadmap because, and we'll charge a small fee for that. But of course, that's optional as well. We you know we still work with you in terms of finding uh, finding a builder, finding a listing, answer your questions. Uh, we do a lot of webinars to help people out with free information. Do everything we can. But there's still people who are like, look, I just here's my situation, and it's just outside the scope of a video webinar or something like that. So we'll sit down with them for an hour, but of course that's completely optional. So yeah, it's it's free if you want to buy a tiny house. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm curious, as somebody who probably has the most visibility into the tiny house 
used market. Um, are you seeing any changes in the either appreciation or depreciation of tiny houses? That's a really good question. You know, that I even did a video on that a few years ago, and it was called, Is Dave Ramsey Right About Tiny Houses? Because he did like a piece saying that there's no way the tiny houses will hold their value like a regular house. And the funny thing is, if you look at the tax value of a regular house, the value of the house doesn't go up. Maybe it was depreciation, but it's almost always the land. And, um, and so... Uh, to answer your question, tiny houses, they hold the value much better than, like, let's say a camper or a mobile home because they're built so well. The, the, the vast majority of them are built. They're an heirloom product, right? They're built to last generations, assuming you take care of them and, of course, do the maintenance and things like that. But I think the bigger, the bigger thing to look at, the more important thing to look at is not how much money you make when you sell it or how, much, how little you lose. The more important thing is, how much money do you save while you're living in a tiny house? Because let's just be honest, when you buy a regular house, there's no guarantee that you'll that you'll make money, right? Like especially when you look at the interest paid, the closing costs, all the small associated costs. Like if you live in a tiny house and you're smart with the way you live, it's almost guaranteed that you save money, right? So that money you save, let's say over five years, almost always is going to be greater than the amount of money that you'll make by living in a regular house. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me i can i can confirm that living in a tiny house is a is a great way to save money that's right did you end up living in a tiny house when you moved back east i lived in and out of tiny houses my circumstances have changed but right now i'm building a under 400 square foot cabin um in wilmington north carolina down a little dirt road about 100 yards from the intercoastal waterway so it's going to be great It'll be, um, and then also putting a tree house in the yard for Airbnb guests and a family that comes into town and things like that. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And I have a little getaway outside of Wilmington on three acres. It has like five cabins and zip lines and outdoor kitchens and uh, outhouses and all that. So it's kind of like little tiny house getaway outside the city. So it's great. That also sounds awesome. <laughs> So I want to I want to ask more more like nerdy numbers questions if you're okay with that. I'm ready. So I'm curious do you have any like idea of what the average tiny house sells for? In 2018 on our site the average tiny house sold for 47,500 and some change. And is that are they generally a used tiny house? That's both. Like we have we have okay. the numbers forked out but I don't know off the top of my head but if you look at used new uh, everything, and you just take all those together and then divide them. It's forty-seven thousand five hundred on average. So, uh, you know, and that 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 paints a, a decent picture, but not a clear picture. I mean, there's some that are selling for two thousand, right? Like a little uh, uh, teardrop camper that someone made out of plywood, right? Like sure. <laughs> and then you've got the ones that you see on TV on Tiny House Luxury that are one hundred thirty thousand, right? There's everything in between, but that's the, right. that's the medium price. That's awesome. Yeah. So. And and that that kind of sounds about right to me for yeah. you know the materials for your average tiny house being about you know $20,000 and mm-hmm. then a lot of some you know hundreds and hundreds and potentially thousands of hours of labor. <laughs> yeah and and you know the interesting thing is you would think and it's partially true you would think like if you were selling a house let's say in Los Angeles the price of a tiny house would be much different than say I don't know Huntsville Alabama but the interesting thing we've noticed is that it tends to be about the same on average. There's no huge difference on the location of where a tiny house is listed. 
Um, it's very, very common for people to fly across the country, get a U-Haul, and buy a tiny house and bring it back to their location. We're seeing a lot of that. Right. I mean, as a, a mobile house, it could be moved anywhere. And so I guess there's less markup. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to use a company like U-Ship, I'm sure you're familiar with U-Ship, right? Yeah. Or Coast to Coast Transport or one of those big national transportation companies. Yeah. Like, say, if you're in Florida and you want to buy one in Washington, the price is, you know, $5,000 and up to have it shipped. So it's pretty crazy. So a lot of people are doing a four or $500 plane ticket and a, I don't know, $1,000 U-Haul and just driving it back themselves and enjoying the trip in the meantime. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so are the prices, have you seen the average price gone up year over year? Yeah, and the reason that is because tiny houses are just getting larger, right? Like um, right. back in the day, you know, when it was just more, I guess you could use the word fringe, not fringe or, I don't know, alternative type of folks, you know, like, um, for example, <laughs> First tiny house uh, workshop I ever went to, like I felt very out of place because I could just I considered myself just a a regular a, a dude, and then it's like some of the people were like, yeah, you know, I've been living in my hammock for the last three years out in the woods, and it's been great. I was like, what? Been doing what? You know, and like, and they're just that those types of folks, but and which is great. But now uh, you've seen regular people who are interested in tiny. When I say regular, I don't mean that in a condescending term. I'm just saying, you know, your average middle middle class American that has a job, you know lives in a regular house, but they want to downsize. Those type of folks, more of those have been coming into the fold, uh, but there's no way they're going to live in a 14-foot tiny house with a compost toilet, you know, and your knees hit the walls where you're using the restroom, right? Like, All right. Um, so uh, more and more of those people have been coming into the fold, and they want a reg something a little bit that, up to their standards. They're willing to downsize. But uh, long story short, yeah, the price has been going up because they're just getting larger, and a lot of people, they, they – you know, they don't, they're not willing to go out and try to find a live slab for their countertop. They just want to plop some money down and have a granite countertop. So, yeah, to answer your question, they're definitely going up in price. Got it. Yeah, it, it, they've definitely been trending bigger. Yeah. Like when I built mine in, in 2012, mm -hmm. a 20-foot trailer, sorry, a 22-foot trailer was on the bigger end of things. <laughs> and now I'm, like, on the tiny end of things like i don't see anyone building on a 20-foot trailer <laughs> yeah you know as there's uh some people i've seen them out there approaching 50 feet now 50 feet long whoa see at that point i feel like having it on a trailer it, you've you just turned your house into a long like tunnel right <laughs> and the funny thing is those 50 footers are eight feet long still so it's like it's like a batting cage on wheels yeah <laughs> yeah or like a driving range almost right yeah, but it looks kind of funny going down the road. But yeah, I mean, you know, if if that's what people want and, you know, they have the money to get it, like, even at 50 feet, what is that, 400 square foot? That's still 20% mm -hmm. the size of the average house sold in America. So anything 20% compared to its predecessor is still tiny, right? Right. So. And putting it on wheels still disconnects it from having to own land, which I think is one of the main reasons, the main things that make tiny house is so affordable is that you don't have to buy land and a house connected together. That's right. Yeah. And, and, but you know, a lot of municipalities, it's probably a different subject. They want to see some sort of foundation on there. They're trying to, you to get to do that. Even if it's a matter of putting, you know, cinder blocks on each cor corner of the tiny house, they're like, Oh, it's connected to the ground. Let's, let's see how much your taxes are going to be. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious. Have you seen people buying and selling houses built on skids? So like 
a house that can be moved on a trailer but isn't permanently attached to a trailer? Yeah, we've seen that. You know, the interesting thing is a lot of these, you know, a lot of these um, shed companies, when you're going down the road, they're like, finance me, twenty nine ninety five, right? They're everywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, I've seen a lot of those trying to get into the tiny house market as well, and selling, selling them as a shell. And um, in some ways, that makes a lot of sense because you can, you know, you can buy yourself a shell and you dry it in and finish it off yourself. The unfortunate thing about those types of folks are is that they tend to be made out of, in, you know, inferior quality product. And um, so the, the longevity of them is not great. But um, yeah, you know, like for we, we get a lot of people saying, okay, I'm looking for a 500 square foot house built on a foundation. And my recommendation almost always is to just find some plans online you like, find some land, and then find a local contractor to build those for you because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's probably a better approach. That way you don't have to worry about shipping it a long, long way yeah. and stuff like that and paying those exorbitant shipping costs. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there's definitely the, the, the type of folks who just want to stay put and uh, their own skids. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, I'll give a shout out to Jamaica Cottage Shop. Um, Dominique. Who, yeah. Dominic's been a, a guest on the show and they, you know, I think they're the exception in that world of prefab sheds. They do really great, great work. I agree with you. Yeah. And he's a very, very good businessman. He's figured out a lot of things. He's done a lot of things with his business that other people would like to be in his business would have liked to be able yep. to done. So very, yep. very smart guy. Totally. Um, speaking of financing, um, do you connect people with financing and what are, you know, I know that that's, been a big challenge for people getting into the tiny house world that even though it is really affordable compared to a, a quote unquote normal size house, you still are going to have to come up with 20, 30, 40, 50 K. And that is a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like the cost of, of ownership for a tiny house is so much smaller, right? Like, um, you know, you don't like if you go out and, and, and get a 40 or $50,000 personal loan, yeah, the interest mm -hmm. rate's higher. And you're still paying payments. You're not debt free. But I think I just look at it as a means to an end, right? Like, yeah. Um, if you can get into a tiny house and figure a good living situation where you're not paying a lot of monthly rent for like land and stuff like that, the money that you save, like let's say your 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 tiny house bill is six hundred a month and you're paying nine hundred before for rent, whatever. Just take that three hundred and pay it right towards your principal, right? And um, and then you know, yeah, if, like during those few years that you're paying it off, like that sucks. But once it's paid off. That's when your real savings starting to kick in, and like yeah. you can just keep your eyes on the prize. There's so many countless stories of people taking extra jobs and doing all kinds of things and paying their tiny house off quickly. But I think when you're in that situation, you have to keep your eyes on the prize and just get it paid off. So then you you're seeing people use like personal loans, personal lines of credit. Personal lines of credit, I would say, is the number one source for people getting financing. In our experience, and the people that we work with, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I agree, like, just go for it if you can, but it would be, you know, I hope to see the day where there are lower interest loans available for, for people to get into the tiny house world. I agree. And there's a few companies, I better not name them, but that have kind of came <laughs> and, and they're predators and they haven't worked out like they said and they took people. Yeah. Money. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, but. I ha I do. We yeah. won't mention them here. <laughs> but yeah, so people definitely need their due diligence. And those type of companies, like, I would never, ever suggest one person to, like, yeah. um, once our, you know, if you start to hear enough feedback about someone over and over, like, it's probably true, so. Yeah, I've actually heard just locally here in Burlington, Vermont, mm -hmm. um, one of the local credit unions 
has advertised being willing to give loans for tiny houses. And that that can be a good route. Like rather than going with like a big multinational bank, find a local bank that actually exists where you live. And, you know, they might be way more open to giving somebody a forty or $50,000 loan. So do you know if these credit unions, do you know if it was in the form of a personal loan or was it a traditional like home loan or do you know? I I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Because I've, I've definitely heard that too, like um, credit unions giving personal loans. And I should have mentioned that too, because sometimes those personal loans will, uh, for a credit union will have, will have a lower interest rate than some of these other guys doing personal loans online. So yeah, yeah. that's definitely a good route to take too. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, from the seller's perspective, what would what advice would you give to a seller? Like, what makes a really great listing for tiny house listing? <laughs> you know, so interesting. I I've seen tiny houses stay for sale for a long time, and they had like horrible photos, right? Horrible photos, <laughs> and then they went through, had a paid a couple hundred bucks, and had or had a friend that knew photography that did very good photography, and it sold very very quickly. And I couldn't believe it was the same tiny house, right? And you know, they'd staged a little bit, so. It that a lot of those are the same as selling a traditional house. Like you want to have it staged if you can. Try to present it in as best light. Good photography. Uh, if you list with us, definitely do a video tour because we have uh, seven hundred fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube now. So that's a big audience to promote your yeah. tiny house to. Um, you know, if you list with us, you get you know you get um, exposed to like you know a very large audience. But even if you're selling it elsewhere, yeah, definitely. And the one thing is too. Uh, this is interesting. Harvard University uh, did a, um, um, oh my gosh, a test or whatever to find out. Like, they found out that if you are a real estate agent and you respond to a lead within five minutes, you're fifty times more likely to sell that house to that person. Increases. Wow. So another thing is, if someone says, "Hey, I'm interested in your tiny house," uh, definitely want to respond very, very quickly while you're right on top of mind. Uh, of them they're like wow oh man okay yeah yeah i just messaged you so uh if you get up one the next day when they're like on their lunch break with their friends or happy hour they're like oh well i'll get back to you later right yeah so if you can do all those things like we even have like a best practices guide for people who list with us and um we kind of they can walk down and if you do all those things or eight out of ten the chances of selling your house are much greater nice how long does it take the average tiny house to sell on tiny house listing the average is about a month. Yeah, nice. yeah, it's about a month. But the funny thing is, there's there's some people who have sold it the same day, and I could look at that tiny house and be like, that thing's about to sell really quickly, just because <laughs> they did everything correctly, everything perfectly, priced right, everything. So um, there's even people now who are on our site that have like tiny house villages, or they have villages that have Airbnbs, and they're searching the site every day looking for a good deal just to go pick it up, buy it, pick it up, and take it back to their village and then make a couple hundred dollars a night uh, yeah as an airbnb what would you consider to be like a good deal for a tiny house on your site that's so hard to say i mean because like um well if it's 40 feet long <laughs> and it has quartz countertops and they're asking sixty thousand dollars that's probably a really good deal right like given that it's yeah. you know it's good quality um but it's, that's really hard to say i mean like uh if it's it just depends mostly on the size and things like that there's one for sale on our, on our website now that's $12,000 and it's just the shell, but it's awesome, right? It's got aluminum frame, aluminum uh, frame, and it's on a good quality trailer and it has tons of huge windows that are expensive. So I'm like, that's a really, really good deal. I wouldn't be surprised if someone purchased that quickly. So, yeah. 
No rhyme or reason, but nice. <laughs> so I wanted to ask kind of the, the flip side of my earlier question is, you know, what's your advice to would be buyers? Like how do you how do you recommend people vetting these houses, especially if they're, you know, shopping for a house that's across the country? Yeah, you know, that's really tough. If it's a third party certified in some way, whether it's NOAA or RBIA or another one, that really, really helps. And another thing is, for sure, you want to make sure it's built on a really good quality foundation, preferably new. Like, you still see a lot of people out there using old camper foundations yeah. <laughs> like, that are, you know, maxed out, or maybe they upfitted the tra trailer. Um, definitely, definitely, if you want to come through us and have us take a look at it, send us a message. You know, like, just, we're definitely glad to do that. But uh, from, the, from a distance, third-party certification is definitely a... Um, a good a good idea maybe you'd we want to throw a couple in there as well do you have any ideas well yeah that's that's one that i hadn't necessarily thought of i've i've generally been a little skeptical of the third party um certifications mm. just because it feels like you know if if the builder is experienced and they've built tiny houses before it just seems and it, it like it doesn't it's not as necessary seeming in the sense like you can get insurance now without it mm -hmm. But that's actually a really great point. When you go to sell it, you actually have something that says this was inspected by a group or a person or organization that has a set of criteria that can they can judge the house on them. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing is not every one of those are actually inspected. Like the the business itself is inspected, so they can pop in any time. It's like when you have a business and they. Uh, check to make sure you have good food processing, right? Like you get a, right. a bad sanitation grade, same same concept. Um, so not every single one are inspected, but um, the business itself and their techniques and all those have been inspected. So yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's at least some third party who's who's uh, who's has their eyeballs on it, and to some degree, which is which is good, I think. Yeah, I would probably ask for you know if it wasn't inspected. You know, send me as many photos of as you can of during the build process, just mm -hmm. so I can see see what it looked like when it was just framed up. See if I can see anything glaring. Um, you know, if it was somewhere, if it was somewhere where there were other professional tiny house builders, I might just say, "Hey, can I pay you your hourly rate to go? You know, go check this tiny house out for me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, buy your time to just." take a look at it for me just like you'd do if you were buying a used car you know yeah. bring it to the mechanic and have them look it over that's a good point and also it'd be really interesting to see if someone came in maybe they'll listen to this call and uh and do it but like a maybe like someone that offers tiny home warranties just like you get a warranty with a house uh like yeah about yeah so that'd be really cool too if there's third-party warranties but the only problem is most tiny ha most regular houses have built been built by a licensed contractor so <laughs> Uh, if it's a do-it-yourself do tiny house, I'm pretty sure there'd be very few companies willing to write those types of warranties or those types of policies, but who knows? Yeah, for sure. Actually, I interviewed um, Martin Burlingame, who is the tiny house or tiny home dot insure. They're one of the one of the handful of insurance companies that are offering like homeowner style insurance for tiny houses now. Mm -hmm. And they actually can do a warranty like that's a type of homeowner's insurance but it's really expensive like it doesn't make sense yeah but what if the loss was catastrophic like what if they went down the road and like whew, the thing just flew off the trailer then it would just be a total loss anyway yeah, right I did. <laughs> yeah but yeah those yeah yeah so what you're saying like having a third party maybe having someone go take a look at it yeah those are all really good ideas 
yeah, any uh, if there are any freelance tiny house inspectors out there with like credentials and wants to like hang up a shingle and set up shop, send me an email. I'll, <laughs> I'll send you Stephen's way. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests um, is what are two or three resources that like inspired you and helped you along on your tiny house journey? Definitely number one was tiny house blog, Ken Griswold. I call him like, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people say Jay Schaefer's the father of the modern tiny house movement, and he's definitely played a pivotal role. But in terms of making it a thing and making it widespread, like I would say Ken Griswold definitely planted the seed, like. He started Tiny House Blog in, what, 2007, I think. And then that's kind of where a lot of builders and myself and other people got involved. So definitely Tiny House Blog has been my my favorite resource, definitely my number one inspiration. And he, when I first launched the business, he helped me. Like I did, like I wrote up a blog for him and like <laughs> he was nice enough to put it on his blog. And um, yeah, and so it got the word out and I started to get a listings and phone calls and stuff like that. So definitely Tiny House Blog. Um, who are some other people? I'm really good friends with Derek Diedrichson from Relax Shocks. Him and I have been in, in the thing for a while. I know you're good friends with him, and I know you know him as well. Deke's a great guy. He's a good guy. And then um, Michael Jansen from Tiny House Design. Yep. Yeah, he's been in it almost as long as kids, so he was definitely inspiration for me. Um, yeah, so those are the main guys. Those are like the old Gs of the Tiny House. That's true. Yeah. So interesting enough, I've never met Jay Schaefer. I'd love to. I've been to so many places where he thought he was going to be there and he wasn't there. But uh, I had the chance to meet you up in Vermont, not long, but it was interesting meeting you too, man. Totally. Yeah. That was at that was at Deke's tiny house summer camp. That was a lot of people taking baths, cold baths in the stream down the upstream a little bit. Yeah, I think when you said that you went to a tiny house workshop and there were people like sleeping in their hammocks, I was like, "Oh, was it the one? <laughs> was it the one that I met you at?" <laughs> but yeah, you know the funny thing about Deke's uh, workshop, there's always like two or three people, or twenty percent of the people that do the eighty percent of the work. It's like the Pareto principles in full effect. Yeah, totally in workshops. So he'll give Deke used to give the Purple Brontosaurus Award. He'd get like a brontosaurus and paint it purple and like put it on a plaque. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you, is are you working on anything new? Any new features for tiny house listings that you that you can share with us? There's something we're working on, but I can only give you um, a drop hint because it's really big deal. It's gonna <laughs> we're building a we're going to start building one tiny house model, and it's going to be we hope a game changer. That's all we can say. Wow. When when should we look for that? 2020 for sure. 2020. I'm trying 2020. to get. Yeah, I'm trying to. I've done fundraisers trying to get a little bit more money because I need help, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I got to dig in and maybe even get some loans myself. Wow. Well, I'll look forward to uh, hearing about that because I think that the appetite for tiny houses just does not seem to be slowing down. That's right. Yep. Do you agree? Oh, man. Yeah. I think it's to the point now where tiny houses are just like a permanent housing category. Like it's too, it's, it's, it's too embedded into culture now. It's not, it's not, it's, it would take generations for it to go away if it were to go away, I think, because it's just when someone's like, well, here's this X situation or Y situation or Z situation. Oh, tiny house will fit that perfectly. It's kind of top of mind for most people or, you know, their friends or family that are close to them. So yeah, it's, it's not going anywhere. Awesome. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Stephen Harrell, thank you so much for being a guest on the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I would love to do it again sometime in the future. 
Thank you so much to Stephen Harrell for being a guest on the show. Check out the show notes from today's episode at thetinyhouse.net slash 065. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 065. Now I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor today, which is the guide Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is a comprehensive field guide to help aspiring tiny house builders make the right choices for their unique homes. In it, you go through the decisions that I made, what I ultimately decided for my own house and why, and how those decisions affected the overall project. I'll help you identify key choices and understand the relationships between them so you can plan your house effectively without spending countless hours researching. The guide has helped readers save hundreds or even thousands of dollars on their tiny houses by avoiding common mistakes. And most important, it will help you feel confident about the choices you're making because you'll know they're the right decisions for you. To learn more, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY when you check out for 20% off any package. Well, that's all for now. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.